Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, back in New York City after a really, really fun trip to Florida. I got to do all the things I love. I really took advantage of all that the Sunshine State has to offer. Uh, amazing beaches, great weather, really interesting people, some very good restaurants, and of course, Florida-style Texas Hold'em and Omaha Hold'em, which uh, if you've never been, uh, you really haven't experienced what it's like to be at a supercharged hormonally involved table where decisions are made mostly because of emotion and vendetta. So I really enjoyed playing poker in Florida, just like I always do. Uh, For those who have been to Atlantic City, you might know that the uh, older players there tend to be really nitty and tight, very scared to enter any pots without the nuts. And if you're used to that and then you travel to Florida, and you see an old guy at your table and you're expecting the same thing, you are in for quite a surprise because these guys have lots and lots of money and they have no intention of folding a pair below bottom pair at any point. So the general strategy in most of your Florida-based live poker games is make a big hand or even a decent one and just bet the heck out of it and hardly ever bluff. Of course, I'll have more on that on this episode coming up where I will share a couple of hands that I played in a really big tournament that was part of the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Showdown in which I was an active participant for most of the 10 days that I was down south. Uh, But before I get to that, I wanted to update a story that we covered recently here on the podcast about the state of Michigan as it relates to online poker. So Michigan has decided to join the multi-state internet gaming agreement, the MSIGA, which basically amounts to Michigan players very soon being allowed to compete with those of us who play on WSOP.com in the states of New Jersey, Nevada, and Delaware. So this is huge news for players in those states because Michigan has 10 million people that can play on WSOP.com will really change the landscape on that site if uh, Michigan is successful in marketing to that vast player base there in the state of Michigan. It also opens the door for other nearby states, notably Ohio, to possibly pass a similar bill and join the party as well once they see when their rival neighbor is making so much money in tax revenues, etc. There really is no downside from the government's perspective to letting people play legal regulated poker from the comfort of their own homes. So I just wanted to let you guys know about that. That's the big news that happened this week. Also, the Win and the Venetian have released their respective tournament schedules for this summer. So 
Uh, of course, a few weeks ago, we talked about the release of the WSOP schedule. Of course, I put a caveat on that discussion by saying I want to know when the mystery bounty will be happening at the win and whether the Venetian will also join the mystery bounty craze. Uh, we talked about how the WSOP has their own version of the mystery bounty, even though the whole thing was originally their idea. But now obviously the win slash encore beat them to the punch as it were during the pandemic. And uh, uh, so they're doing something else in the WSOP that I'm definitely going to play the million dollar bounty. It's called it's a $1,000 buy-in where someone on day two will collect a million dollar bounty prize, which is pretty awesome considering it's such a low buy-in. But not to be outdone, the mystery bounty tournament at the win is going to be June 13th through the 17th with a $2,200 buy-in and a $2.5 million guarantee. Four starting days on this one. And I guarantee, speaking of guarantees, I guarantee that you will see me there this summer unless I'm dead. They're also doing, uh, this one's interesting, a progressive bounty tournament, which I don't really know how that one will work. They haven't released any uh, information about it, at least not that I have seen. But on Monday, June 27th at 2 p.m., there's a $5,200 No Limit Hold'em Progressive Bounty Tournament that I think is just a one-day event with that larger buy-in, $5,200, and only a $250,000 guarantee. So it seems like maybe they're intentionally trying to keep this one small uh, so that they can experiment with conducting a live PKO. I have heard stories of other live PKOs, but I've never played in one. I'm not sure if I will play in this one on the 27th. Uh, for $5,200, they're probably going to be a pretty strong field of very solid professional players in that one. And I'm not seeing any type of satellites listed to get into that tournament. So I think that what the win is doing here, they're trying to attract a small field of professional players so that they can test the concept of how they can run a live PKO with no issues. Now over at the Venetian, they are also capitalizing on the popularity of bounty tournaments generally, and they have quite a few of them, notably on June 19th and 20th, they are doing a $2,500 ultimate bounty, as they're calling it. Uh, they're guaranteeing that when you get into the money, you will get at least $5,000. Not exactly sure at this point what the amount of the bounty is, but I know the buy-in is $2,500 and the guarantee is $1 million. So there's some chance you can find me there as well. I like bounty tournaments. Uh, those of you that I've played with in Australia, you know how my favorite tournament in the Aussie Millions is called the Terminator. And so, yeah, that's a bounty event. I like bounty tournaments. It's nice to get a little something back just for taking somebody out. And uh, another thing that they are bringing back at the Venetian this summer is the MSPT. This is the Mid-States Poker Tour, which I can't imagine a worse name for uh, this poker tour that's happening in Las Vegas, which is clearly not 
a mid-state by any anyone who's ever seen a map, but the MSPT, very popular tournament series. It's an $1,100 buy-in with three starting days beginning June 12th, and that one has a guarantee of $1.5 million. So those are some of the highlights from the Venetian. And anyone who doesn't know about Kenny Hallert on Twitter, SpaceyFCB, on Twitter is a main event final tableist from about a decade ago, and he always uploads for everyone to use a complete schedule of all the tournaments happening during the WSOP. So this includes the World Series itself at Bally's, uh, the Win, the Venetian, the Golden Nugget, the Aria, and so on. So even the Orleans. So if you are Looking for a place to find every single thing that's going on, I recommend you follow Spacey FCB on Twitter, where it's all in one beautiful spreadsheet and constantly being updated as more information becomes available. So that's all I want to say about the summer, and now I want to talk about Florida. I have two hands for you guys today, and they come from a $600 buy-in tournament with a million-dollar guarantee, which is kind of crazy. Even crazier is the fact that the eventual prize pool of this tournament reached over $2 million for a $600 buy-in, which I think had six or eight starting flights. But yeah, they were doing two a day. I just can't remember whether it was for three days or four days. So here we go. Uh, Very early in the tournament, the blinds are 100-200 with a 200 Ante, this is level three. The tournament plays 30-minute levels. So we're in level three. We started with 20K. We're down to 16K, but obviously still doing perfectly fine when the big blind is only 200. Several loose limpers, and this was a very good, very Florida kind of table. Lots of limping, and then somebody makes a huge raise, and everybody who limped in calls their raise, no matter if it's 10 or 20 times the original bet. So... Uh, Like I say, bluffing in Florida is generally not recommended. So several loose limpers. I guess it was three loose limpers. And the action is on Hero Clayton holding the Queen of Spades, Jack of Clubs. So Queen Jack offsuit. We decide to limp right along. Um, Like, I I mean, I'm in position. I could, there are a few arguments to be made for raising, even if we know with near certainty that raising is not going to ever take it down now that there have been a few limpers here. Uh, But raising in position, building a pot with a playable hand against loose opponents uh, can be a good strategy. I decided to just go ahead and limp along. I'm going to wait until I have something and then just bet the heck out of it when everybody around me is loose and mostly passive. So I just call the button folds and so we'll be in position, which is great news. Uh, That was, by the way, another reason why you might want to raise in this spot, because if that raise is ever going to discourage the button from playing, then it's sometimes worthwhile to invest a few extra chips just to get position for the rest of the hand. But this time I limped and got that outcome anyway, and then the blinds called, and then a total of six players see the flop. So the big blind checks, and now with 1,400 in the middle... The flop comes, jack of diamonds, eight of clubs, 
eight of diamonds. So jack eight, eight with two diamonds, hero holding the queen of spades and jack of clubs. So we have top pair with a queen kicker and no flush draw. We do have some nebulous runner, runner straight possibilities, but we're not getting too excited about needing to catch a perfect 10, nine or nine, 10 to get there. So that's what we have. And out of nowhere, the small blind, who is probably the most aggressive player at the table, uh, leads out into the whole field of five opponents. Now, normally that would be a big red flag for me. I would say, you know, this guy could have a very big hand here. And of course he could, but we've already seen him do this several times in the first hour to hour and a half of play. He likes to lead flops, even with a lot of opponents. Uh, he's already done it several times. In other instances, he showed a hand as bad as middle pair. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have an eight ever. It doesn't mean he didn't, for some reason, slow play pocket aces, which that might sound ridiculous to you after all those people limped in. But you will see that a lot in Florida. Players love to limp and slow play pocket aces, pocket kings, and then complain vociferously when those big hands get cracked because they have five or six opponents which I don't understand. But all things considered, I'm not too concerned about the bet here. But he leads into everybody for 1100 which again, under normal circumstances, I would say, wow, he bet 1100 into 1400 What a big sizing. And he's got five opponents and all of that jazz. But against this particular opponent, the flags that would normally go up stay down. So everybody folds, and now the action is on Clayton. I decide to go ahead and call. Now, he's got us well covered. As I mentioned, we start with 16,000, but this player has been winning a lot of pots early, and he's up to 35K or so. So he's got us well covered, and so we call the 1,100, and now it's time for the turn with 3,600 in the middle. The turn comes the six of spades. So our board is now jack, eight, eight, six with two diamonds, one club and one spade. And again, our opponent leads. This time he bets 2,000. Well, at this point, I do start to worry just a little bit that maybe we are beat because it's one thing to lead into everybody as we've seen him do a number of times. But my call, I think, should normally slow this player down or slow anyone down, really, uh, when he doesn't have at least a jack in this situation. So I was worried that he might have an eight or he might be able to somehow have me out kicked. Now you guys might be thinking, but Clayton, if he has you out kicked, he's got king jack or ace jack. And wouldn't he often raise before the flop with hands that strong when that many people have already limped into the pot? And the answer to that is no, not necessarily. These guys don't like to raise with a normal raising range. We can't rule it out, but we also can't fold just yet. So we decide to go ahead and make the call again. So now we are still heads up and we're heading to the river, which comes the 10 of hearts for a final board of Jack eight, eight, six, ten, with two diamonds. And now our opponent decides to check. All right, well, first question, are we at all concerned about the 10 of hearts on the river? 
two straights came in, queen nine and nine seven. But I honestly don't think that this opponent would bet either of those hands on the flop into five opponents. I mean, I guess anything is possible, but we also block queen nine at least. So I'm not overly concerned about the river beating us. Pocket tens, certainly possible, although that hand I actually think would have raised before the flop at least some of the time, going for the proverbial thinning of the field. So I wasn't especially worried about 10-10, but what about Jack-10? Well, Jack-10 is a problem because Jack-10 would very realistically play the way this opponent played the flop and the turn. And so when that 10 hit the river, I was hoping that my opponent wouldn't bet again. I was a little bit worried that if he bets a third time here on the end, I'm going to be beat and I would probably have to call unless he bet a lot. So I was concerned, but then he checked and I was thrilled. And now the question becomes, do we have a value bet Against many opponents, I think the pot is plenty big and I should check behind and just turn my hand over and see if Queen Jack is any good. Against this type of opponent, uh, the varietal found most often in the state of Florida, when he checks the river, Queen Jack is good the vast majority of the time. And so the next question becomes, if I am good, can I get value? Well, part of my opponent's range is obviously going to be diamond flush draws that missed, right? The leading out into everybody makes a lot of sense when our opponent has either a jack or a flush draw. Now, some of those hands are going to have the 10 of diamonds, and then we really have a value bet versus that hand, which might just have to make a curious call, hoping that we also missed our diamonds and are now betting as a bluff, an example could be a hand like Queen 10 of Diamonds, which may very well have played this way all along. So I thought I had a value target with uh, any pair of 10s or a jack that doesn't have a king or an ace kicker that would probably end up calling me at least some of the time. Um, there might also be some curious calls mixed in from a hand like, I don't know, pocket sevens or ace six especially a six of diamonds, which flops a flush draw and then picks up a pair on the turn, so bets again, then misses everything and checks the river. Long story short, I think I have a lot of value targets in Florida versus these loose, loose opponents. And so I decided to bet 3,000 into the 7,600 pot. Now, I only have 9,000 behind after making this bet, but if I get check raised, I am folding. So I'm hoping that my opponent does not say raise. And very quickly, he just calls. And I showed my queen jack. And as he mucked, he showed me his bottom card, which was the jack of spades. So he must have had jack nine, jack seven, something like that. So I was thrilled to get paid on my river value bet. And I think the value of this hand is it really shows the importance of value betting relentlessly versus loose opponents like you will encounter at almost every poker table in the state of Florida. So 
Uh, I love playing poker down there. Did I mention that? All right. So in the same tournament, a few levels later, the blinds were 200 and 300 with a 300 big blind ante. And our table was seven-handed as a couple of players had already busted out. And one player had left the table to go tell his friend a bad beat story. So he missed his hand and it's already in the muck. So we're effectively six-handed for this particular hand and I'm under the gun with the ace of spades, seven of spades. So ace seven suited at what is effectively a six max table. I decide to raise it up. I make it 1100, which is a little bit bigger than you might expect, but it has been basically the uh, standard sizing, if you can believe it, at this table. And Uh, I now have 26,000 in my stack, by the way, so we're in very good shape at this point with an M of 35, something like 86 big blinds, so we're doing great. Uh, So yeah, I make it 1,100. I'm very happy to to do so. I'm hoping to get loose action from a very, very loose table. Um, The old man on my left, who's probably uh, pushing 80, I'd say he's at least 75, Uh, And he has been seeing about 80% of the flops at this table. A very textbook, loose, passive, wealthy calling station, old man in South Florida, the richest area, or at least one of the richest areas in the entire country. So he calls because he thinks poker is a slot machine. And uh, then on the button, the Frenchman at the table whose accent is so thick I can barely understand him, and he has also been extremely loose and extremely passive, just a total calling station, also seeing something like 80% of the flops. So if any of you are considering whether or not it would be worth your time and energy to take a trip to Florida and go play some live poker, uh, you can make it almost four times the big blind and get very loose action from two opponents who probably have worse than a seven suited the vast majority of the time. So I raised it up to 1100 and two players called, and I will now be out of position versus these two loose passive opponents. And there's 4,100 in the middle. Both of my opponents, by the way, have about 18,000. I have them well covered with my 26,000 stack. So the effective SPR here is about four and a half with two opponents. The flop comes queen of diamonds, seven of diamonds, six of spades. So we flop middle pair and a backdoor flush draw with a top kicker with our ace seven of spades on queen seven, six. Uh, I decide to continuation bet. I went down to 1,000. I'm trying to get as much action as I can from worse sevens, hands like pocket deuces, six five, six four, six three, six eight. All of those hands are very much in play. Uh, I'm also expecting to get called and not raised by a hand like queen 10. So I'm betting. And so this is my way of getting value, but also controlling the pot size for those occasions when I am beat which is a strategy that wouldn't work against really talented opponents, but it does work against guys like these two. So I lead out for 1,000, and both of my loose passive opponents call, and I'm not mad about it. 7,100 now in the middle, and 
the turn comes the ace of diamonds giving us two pair but also completing the flush so our board is now queen of diamonds seven of diamonds six of spades ace of diamonds hero holding the ace seven of spades uh, i bet again i don't know if you would bet again but i decided to bet again i i think that if one of my opponents has a flush i'm about to find out about it and i don't plan on putting more chips into the middle when your opponents are very loose and also very passive the strategy is to value bet relentlessly and if they stand up to you with a raise given how passive they typically are you can well pretty well rest assured that they're not doing so with worse than aces and sevens now against a tougher opponent that raise could mean a lot of things right but against these guys i'm not worried about getting bluff raised so i can value bet with impunity so i bet and only the uh player on my immediate left the old the old man calls so i'm not especially concerned he could still have a hand like king jack with the king of diamonds pocket fours with the four of diamonds all of these hands that i can beat and would call a bet of 2300 on the turn uh he would also call with worse sevens hands like eight seven ten seven nine seven basically any seven uh as i mentioned he does see about 80 percent of all the flops so that means we can't really put him on a reasonable hand at all because he's just in there so now that he calls we're starting to get a little more of an idea what he has but that doesn't mean it's a mistake to bet 2300 into 7100 when we make two pair on the turn so the pot is now 11,700 our opponent only has about 14 or 15,000 behind and the river comes the deuce of clubs for a final board of queen of diamonds seven of diamonds six of spades ace of diamonds deuce of clubs and the action is on me i decide to bet just two thousand here barely more than one sixth of the pot i'm expecting to get called by worse hands including any seven worse two pairs like a6 or 7-6 and god only knows what else i'm expecting to get raised pretty much when my opponent has a very strong flush but other hands that beat me probably won't raise and would have bet more than 2000 and i may have been inclined to call at least some of the time so this effectively becomes a defensive or blocking style bet but I was happy when he called. I wanted him to call. I think that overall, he will be calling with worse than aces and sevens in the long run. So I proudly turned over my two pair and the opponent looked very confused for about 10 seconds before turning over pocket sixes for a flopped set. As he dragged the pot, he told me several times that he thought for sure I had a set of queens and that's what he was afraid of all along. <laughs> so that's a fun story. Uh, there were a lot of other funny things that happened. Uh, I remember one hand in particular where one of my uh, tough guy opponents sucked out on me after we had been all in on the flop and he ended up rivering me. He stands up and in a manner befitting a toy gorilla with two symbols one in each hand 
uh, started clapping furiously, saying, let's go, let's go, and kind of reminded me so much of one of those little toy gorillas that crashes cymbals together. Anyway, playing poker in Florida is not like playing anywhere else on Earth, and if you've never had a chance to do it, I highly recommend it. I also recommend, for anyone who's interested in boning up on your poker, before the World Series of Poker and the Venetian Deep Stack Extravaganza Championship and the Win Classic Summer Poker Series and all the other things that you might be getting ready for this summer, I recommend you visit TournamentPokerEdge.com where you can get $10 off of your first month's membership just by entering the promo code PODCAST at checkout. Visit TournamentPokerEdge.com. So for everyone here at TPE, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for this. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love nobody. Everybody, everybody knows she can't read.